I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey everyone, it's Malls. Welcome to episode 85 of Please Advise. I'm going to go ahead and introduce today's guest, Ed. How are you? What's up, birds? How are all the birds out there doing? You guys. Fluttering around, I hope. Flying, soaring. It's my best friend, Edward Hansen. He is a writer. He is a very funny person. You can see him in um, some YouTube videos for World of Wonder, recaps of uh, American Horror Story. Those are still online, not necessarily relevant right now, but for big fans of the show, always a treat. He does a lot of storytelling shows around town. We just did the Pumped live podcast together, but also we've been best friends for 11 years more than that, 12 years now, and we're going to go back to Boston College for my 10-year reunion Which I'm so excited about. I know. It's so cool. I mean, first of all, it's like kind of progressive. Thank God we see now we can finally share a room together. (laughs) I know, literally. And also, like, but I'm just scared that I'm going to, like, crumble into a million emotional pieces because college is the best. It is the best. best. But I, I worked the reunions, and they aren't, like... It was the best of football times. weekends. It They're not the like, times. oh, college, no, college was just the best of times. Like, but high school was a little bit of the best of the worst of times. But, uh, yo, for real, 
I'm so excited. We're staying on campus. I like thought maybe we could get like an Airbnb or something. And I was like, fuck it. We just want to like stumble back to like, you know, fucking Rubenstein or like 66 and just like pass out. <laughs> I lived in 66, by the way. I was like yeah. a weirdo. Like it was, I was like weird. And if you lived alone at Boston College, that was like almost like a red flag. And I lived alone. Um, and what was that one called? Vanderslice? What was that one called? Well, I was in, it was called 66. No, or the, Vanderslice, like just the hall what in general. What was it called? Vander something? Vanderslice. Is like, it called Vanderslice? There was a Vanderslice hall. There was yeah. 90. There was Vanderslice was across from, uh, the dino with the fruit, uh, the there was St. Ignatius Hall. Um, <laughs> I love that you guys lived on campus. Like, I didn't live on campus, oh, you I didn't? lived off. No, I lived like, I lived like four blocks from campus, like walking distance on Com Ave. But you had like college roommates. It wasn't like you were yeah. commuting from your, had, from yeah. Lexington or whatever. Oh yeah, I had roommates. I wouldn't have necessarily picked any of them. I didn't have what a lot of people had, which is that I always kind of had like, because it was rare to live off campus, I had like a rotating situation of roommates. So like some people would stay their junior and senior year in this place. A lot of people were juniors who lived off campus for the first time and really liked it and then stayed off campus for their senior year. For the most part, it was like kind of like a rotate rotating staff of juniors. Also like this weird international student that was like on her eighth year of not graduating BC (laughs) who would make like sushi in our kitchen, which is like so fucking offensive. Yeah. I commuted Um, to school from home. I stayed home. Yeah. Yeah. There was one girl who lived off campus my freshman year who I knew and she lived in like the most glam. Like she was so rich and she lived in this like on 2000 Com Ave. Remember 2000 Com Ave? That was like. Of course I do. That was like the baller building that. And so she lived off there and but she kept a room. Like she mm-hmm. had a room at BC, but she just she was from Amherst, okay? Yeah. And she elected to live off campus and she would leave. She had all these like really expensive things. And my freshman year friend and I would like my freshman year friend would invite me over to the, her dorm room and she'd be like, look at my roommate's expensive things and like go through her stuff. And I was always like kind of horrified because I was like, um, okay. And then she'd like borrow her like Chanel glasses. But we who, were like who, who, uh Oh yeah, and she would like borrow. That she would the tacky monster. <laughs> and I, would, oh, I think I might know the roommate you're talking you, about too, because I think I do know this girl was a little bit infamous, and also the girl you're talking about was in the film department with me. Yes. So like I know, and so I at least heard because you know living at 2000 com was like kind of. Like that sets you apart. I mean, the real moneyed kids, and I think we we should depart from this soon because I think we've actually even talked about this exact subject before, like housing at Boston College on this <laughs> podcast. But um, like the real the real rich kids, like the Japanese kids that were like from bananas money, right? They stayed uh, closer to um, Cleveland Circle in that really really nice building with the um, hot tub on the roof. That was two thousand calm out. No, two thousand was- calm was with oh, two thousand calm was across mm. from my. They also have a hot tub on the roof. Oh, okay, okay. But okay. I'm talking about the one towards Cleveland Circle. I don't know. That's on. It was okay. like right where the train turned, where the B line turned, or um, yeah, the B line turned. Um, and there was that building on the corner. It was like white. It was like a sandy gray with like black windows. You know what I'm talking about? No. No. Okay. Well, no. I'll point it out to you when we go back in June. Okay. Um, but that's where like the Asians with money lived. And then there was like that was like. I think it was like the Connecticut white kids with tons of money lived in 2000. Yeah, I know it was just like a whole – there was – they wanted you to live freshman year on campus. But I always admired people who lived off campus because I kind of felt like you had more freedom. Yeah. And it was more 
interest like you just had like a certain liberty that you did not have living on campus because if you were on campus you were like stuck thankfully i had the best freshman year roommate of all time Uh who is a wonderful amazing human being but at the same time like you know i did it by myself you know and i lived off campus with the girls um chase and jen Um, (laughs) did people know who your freshman year roommate was um i don't know Pat Downs, um, do you want to talk about Pat a little bit? Because he's doing some great stuff. Yeah, uh, Pat Downs was my freshman year roommate, and he um, and his wife were running the marathon the year that the bomb went off. And I think a lot of people know that a couple a couple lost their lost each lost a leg in the marathon, and that the man in that couple was Ed's freshman year roommate, and. Um, Pat has done a really impressive job of recovering. I mean, you were you uh, have spoken really eloquently about that before, just like seeing how he's overcome this whole thing. He's um, I've I you know haven't spoken to him in quite a while, but just seeing the way that he's come back from this tragedy, him and his wife, and they I think have become like spokespeople for just like they they were faces that were attached to an incredibly. Um, horrific but also um nationally recognized you know um experience and tragedy but they've they were not um they oh they moved through the tragedy with such grace class and strength and on a public level and you know they both like got fitted with prosthetics and i just have read a lot about it and i just feel like they've set up scholarship you know they're like working on There's setting up a scholarship a to watch i think like is also something I mean and that's definitely a notion you put forward which is just like you see them um you know continuing to be um philanthropic and in a leadership role for a really like long time I think that that they're a couple to watch for and also if you're like writing about looking for like unique heroes or people that are making a difference if you're writing uh, on something for school about it or if you're looking for a charitable cause to help out with um this is you know something that is definitely very close to ed and a, and a person that's also a good person so if you are looking to get involved with something in the boston area or anywhere else this might be something to look into and they set up a scholarship in pat Downs's name it's well it's for a student with disabilities and oh, nice. they're trying and it's a boston call for a boston college student and so um you know, I just think it's a great thing to donate to, you know, to help someone who, you know, might not have had the money and access to, you know, like go to college, you know, because, you know, having a disability is also very expensive, especially when you're talking about prosthetics and the whole thing. Right. You know what I mean? So uh, they're inc- especially when you think of someone that's like starting out from a young age with it, because, right. you know, that's like. Can you imagine just how quickly like we grew out of our shoes, like right. a prosthesis for a child that's growing up, you know, Um it's it's like that expense is huge. That expense is huge. And um, someone like Aviva Drusher has like a best case scenario. Oh, total. Oh, my like, God. Right. You know, like that's a really good example of like money making the difference. Not everyone gets to have like a high heel prosthesis and that probably costs, you know, $200,000 or whatever, you know, right. the high end 3D mechanic, you know, whatever it is. I'm not like an expert on it, but, yeah. you know, like so this is a chance. This is a way to help you know, give back to a student who wouldn't have the opportunity. And Pat is bringing awareness to that. And I think he's just an incredibly inspirational person, him and his wife. So, yeah. And, you know, I think that we also, I don't know, we were, when we were talking about this the other day, it's something that I want to hit on just really quickly. So political lately on the show. So political. Uh, I keep, I keep, I think when I, I think about the marathon, I think about the emotion of, of everyone that was affected by it. 
and I think of um, like the city that I love. But what I always forget, I think of last, which I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, is that it was an act of terrorism. And like that is a real that's a real thing. I mean, like a lot of us, it, it just proves that it's a valid it's a valid thing to be afraid of. You know, it's like kind of like everyone is six degrees from some sort of terrible act of terrorism at this point or less, maybe three degrees. We live um, in a new we live in a new time. Yeah. The veil of safety is no longer there. We yeah. used to live in a we we had an I think like there was um after the L.A. riots, that was the first time in my life where I realized like I lived in Hancock Park, which is by all accounts, a very nice neighborhood. And I remember the National Guard came in to my neighborhood and sealed off the neighborhood with tanks and machine guns. And to get out every day, you had to go through them. It was literally like checkpoints. And my father, as like a white man, I'm half Panamanian and half Irish and Danish, but my father is like a white man. Like it was incredibly frowned upon for him to like go out in the middle of the riots and go into Huntington Park or the areas. You know, there were a lot of, there was just like a lot of chaos in that time. So that was the first time for me that the veil of safety was kind of pulled off and like this is the real world like you can get shot you can get robbed you know and now with you know like the global epidemic of terrorism you know i think that the veil of safety has been pulled off from the rest of the country you know what i mean because it's like everyone you know you just have to be aware and you just have to be you know yeah i mean you know like 9-11 you know like that was i mean no new york you know like there will never ever that that was I didn't understand, you know, like how I mean, I was so young. I was eight. I was a freshman in college. I was 18. And, yep. you know, they flew out of Logan. You know, it was, there was one of the planes flew to Logan and we were all so scared. Yeah. And I think that the message is that, like, do not let the fear overcome you. You know what I mean? Like you have to like that is that if if you let the fear overcome you, then the terrorists win. And and I think that that to me is like something like I think it's like, you know, I don't think it's obvious. I think a healthy fear is important. I think also also like an awareness of it. I think when I was, you know, originally, I think now that I thought about it a second, my original statement, what I kind of meant by that is that uh, it's 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 possible to almost treat those things like a dream state like that they happened in like the. The terror because it's so surreal. It's so difficult to understand. It's so difficult to understand and so surreal. I mean, thinking about nine eleven right now, like it being an act of terrorism is also is one of the last things I think of still, just because the imagery and the stories and um, you know what's it, it almost seems like a dream in a weird way. It was very surreal and it was very the whole and in, in tell you in the destruction of it all was also so not surreal. You know what I mean? It was like it and also like with oh, yeah. with everything that's happened. I mean, I just feel like uh, again, like you know, the idea that there is this like safety that we all live in. We don't live in safety. We live in chaos. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, and all we can hope for is just to, you know, retain some sense of like normalcy and safety for ourselves. And, you know what I mean? We've all in this room lived through, you know, uh, in different ways, like terroristic moments, you know? What do you think about me getting a gun? 
Um, well, you are kind of bananas, so I'm a little terrified of you with a gun. But at the same time, like, I kind of feel like, you know, I'm not going to tell you not to get a gun. You're an adult. What do you but mean, like, I'm a little bananas. Like, I terrified. mean, you're just kind of like a spaz. Like, I could see you, like, pl- like I don't know, like, like cleaning your gun or something and, like, sh- actually. Okay, so in that way, you're not saying that you think I would, like, shoot someone. Oh, no, no, no. God, no. No, oh, I just mean, I like, clarify when we're having I'm scared of you. I'm, like, scared of you, like, having, like, a Suzanne Sugarbaker moment and, like, rummaging through your purse for your cigarettes no. or something and your gun goes off or something like that. You're like, no. whoa. Well, like, first of all, I'm terrified of guns. I'm terrified of them. Yeah. To be honest, I have a lot of reverence for them. Yeah. And I don't do stuff like go and shoot downtown at a gun range for fun because I'm afraid of guns and what they can do. Oh, yeah. At the same time, I own four acres of land right now. I'm going to be living alone in a house. Yeah. Um, I've had threats to my safety before. And, um, you know, I don't. I'm not dying to shoot someone, but I don't want someone with a gun to show up and for me to not be prepared, for me to be defenseless. I think you've hit your enough stage, and I kind of feel like, you know, I could I could see you having a gun and keeping it responsibly, too, and that's all I would ask him Well, want. I think I'm going to build in a floor safe. Smart. Probably shouldn't have just said that, but, you know, whatever. You don't know. <laughs> okay, you don't know about and... blank. <laughs> yeah. yeah, something, yeah, I think that's smart. You know, I think, like, having, you know, one of our panic room situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of my friends is like a really good friend of mine is like a very pro gun has a ton of guns and you know, that's his right. I was very surprised to learn that about him. Cause I didn't realize when that you, was- yeah, I actually, when, when you, when you told me who it was, I was surprised to find that out too. Just because he's like very liberal. He's from Massachusetts. I mean, liberal, excuse me. He's not liberal at all, but he's from Massachusetts and Massachusetts is a very, he's from tip a place. that's like typically a perfect storm for a yuppie liberal. Yeah. Yeah. So, but at the same time, like, is it his right to own guns? Absolutely. So it's like, who am I to tell him? You know what I mean? Like, God bless. You know, if you're if you're responsible, and you know, like, if you're not like that fucking dumbass mother who was like, I'm pro gun, and then heard like, I'm sorry, but that was like the most amazing justice arts of all time because she was so public about it, and then her fucking toddler shot her in the back, and I was reading that she didn't even like it wasn't like she immediately pulled over. Like this she, is a news story. Some woman came, a woman who was like extremely pro gun, very publicly by the way. She was like, I believe in my right to guns, and like she would post like gun memes, and gun stuff memes, like that. the whole bit. You know, was the whole she a well known public figure? No, I just think she was like one of those like everyday American ladies who, oh, like a mother, on her a good Christian woman. Oh, she was a gun I think she was a pro gun advocate or something like something that. like that yeah I and I just read so her toddler oh my god how did her toddler get a hold of her gun that's so strange you know what I mean and so shot her in the back as she was driving she died no she's no I think she's still alive she's fine she, we were like lol because she like was like swerving for a bit she's like whoa what happened uh, and then she was like because she didn't know you know at first she'd been oh shot my god. so then there was randomly a cop nearby so she pulled over and she's like I've been shot I'm totally making this voice up in effects. I don't even know oh if she sounds like God. that. But she literally, like, her toddler got a hold of her gun, which never happens. Yeah. And, you know, so anyway. That is hilarious. It was kind of hilarious. The fact that also, like, because if I were shot, like, first of all, with my toddler in the car, the car's stopping the moment the bullet pierces my back. Right. I'm not driving for an extra mile and swerving and being like, right. what do I do? Like, there's the car stops. The seatbelt comes off. I call 911, but she randomly saw a cop. Yes. So she pulls up to the cop and is like, I've been shot by my toddler. Uh-huh. So, you know. Lesson Loving learned it. for her, you know, lesson learned. Don't keep lesson your gun within reaching distance of your toddler in your truck. This probably. happened in Florida. In Florida, <laughs> of, of course. course. Buckwild, Florida. Um, okay. 
Wait, Christina, real quick question. Would there be any way that you'd be willing to dog sit Wags and Helen in my new house June 3rd through 5th? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing back then. Maybe. Okay, because that's when our uh, reunion is. So I need to get someone to stay with Helen. If I know you and you want to stay with Wags and Helen at my house, and I know you, like know you in real life, and we've met, and we're cool, tell me if you want to watch Wags and Helen. Oh, you and guys. there will be someone there. The house won't be empty. Don't bling ring me. Uh, Helen's chill AF, by the way. I know. We're not going to get her for a little bit. But yeah. I'm like missing Miss Helen. I know, Miss Helen. Ed met Helen. She's so sweet. How would she- you describe Helen? Oh, by the way, so Helen is the deaf pit bull that I adopted. Helen is like, she's not a huge girl, but she's a big girl. And Helen's energy is very lovely. And it's can be so sweet. And it makes me so sad that like they usually are. Yeah, yeah, they have this. There's the stigma. And it's also because, you know, it's like my because people are fucking terrible. There you go. It's not bad dogs. It's bad owners. And like I have another best friend who has been a longtime pit bull advocate and just, you know, amongst all of us. And she's always adopted pit bulls. And she and I'm and she just that was the one thing she would go to the Pass and Humane Society quite frequently, like visit with the dogs all the time because she got them from there. And Helen's from Pass and Humane, which is a great humane society, by the way. I adopted her through a rescue organization. She was going to get she was on the youth list at the Pass and Humane Society. And then a woman who is um, a saint, actually, literally a saint, literally a saint. Uh, She fosters dogs for long periods of time and she's been doing it for eight years. Helen's been the dog she's had. I think she said the second longest. And she also said that she has grown to prefer Helen over her dog. Like she oh, I missed that. I missed yeah, her she's saying that cute. Part. She's like, she's like, I love Helen. She's like, if, but she's like, no, I have like a loyalty to my dog. She's like, but I actually kind of even like Helen better. Like, She's just a sweet pea. She's deaf and Helen's because, been around little girl, like a little girl. Yeah, and mm. such a well mannered little girl. Who, by well, the way, really was well mannered, jamming on her recorder. Fourth grade, <laughs> she had her recorder with her, and I was like, I was like, cool flute, and I was like, fourth grade recorder. Yeah, she was I like, forgot. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, we used to take your recorder and put the piece in like mouthwash. Did yeah. you guys remember well, you did t- rubbing alcohol? Yeah, like rubbing alcohol or whatever. Um, mouthwash. We would always put it I in mouthwash. Did, I and never scope. played the recorder. You didn't play the recorder? They no. didn't make you? No. My they school made was us. No. My school couldn't afford the Dude, recorder. Dude, that is poor because, by <laughs> the way, the recorder's $3. The parents have to send home a slip. What they didn't have was the books with the music. Maybe that's shit. what it was. I don't yeah. know. Because like, I'm pretty I sure. I did not do three blind mice in a recorder. But you if have- you're listening, please advise right now. Can you please tweet at us if your school didn't do the recorder thing? I want to see what the prevalence of this is because I... I'm I had to play it. At how, you did recorder. No, I, I had to. Yeah. At my yeah, school, you have like, to you do it. Everyone knows. It's like first day of fourth grade. You roll up. There's like a recorder, recorder on your seat. Like the permission slip to get a recorder. It's cray. That recorder shit is cry. It was yeah. like, and it was fun too. Like hot cross buns, like jamming out on hot cross buns on your recorder. Should I just get a recorder for like, <laughs> if I'm just chilling? You just should, like, yeah. Hot cross buns it up. Yeah, you little blind mice, little hot cross yeah, buns. Yeah, smoke I, joy and be like, three blind mice. mice. Oh yeah, fucking killing it. I couldn't even you tell you what it sounds like. That. I don't even remember what it sounds like. It sounds like a little, it sounds like, like the mix between a flute and a whistle. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, Christina, I'd actually like to interject and correct because... I do remember you saying your school had sex education. Yeah, 
which means that you had funding of some kind because my high school had sex education my yes. pu- public elementary school was your public elementary school wasn't educating you on sex no <laughs> well, because I know that that is something that's being diminished a lot right like sex yes. education is not like being wiped out and all these teenagers are like I'm pregnant <laughs> like, I don't understand sex and there's I'm not pregnant. enough like federal funding for it people don't have the right education there's a lot of like abstinence so only like, there's We're so, so much political. debate on how we can like how they can slant it like they there's a lot of there's a lot of school districts that frankly don't want like all the choices and options being explained to the kids yeah, like they there's have abstinence only education which is like Ooh, yeah oh, which is like oh the lead in our water is good for you yeah they're like since you're not gonna have sex since that's the only option yeah. like, Cause, cause <laughs> like it's like teenagers having sex like who does that you know what i mean like Whoever I mean, had I have a to hormone. Say Lexington High School was pretty good at give. At, it was very liberal. It was quite liberal, actually, for especially for like, you know, I think it was like the, um, it was the I graduated in two thousand two, probably around two thousand one when I was taking the class two thousand year of Brittany and Justin. I um I think that it was pretty liberal. Yeah. I remember one thing is that they brought in. Do you remember the story of when I told the lesbian how I told her she was being selfish? Uh, no, I don't okay, think so. Okay, so, um, you love this story. Okay, so I was in health class, and, um, they had brought in a woman who had been closeted for many, many years, and it had used her high school boyfriend as a beard. He didn't, unknowingly, he didn't know. She started to know she was gay, and she's like, I can't come out, I'm just gonna stay with him, and, like, be with him. Um, and so she was with him for, like, eight years. And, like, she knew two years in she was gay. No. And so, I she's telling this story and like, we were supposed to ask about like, how was it hard to come out of the closet? What was that like? And I just like raised my hand. And I was like, I was like, did you ever feel like really selfish for how you treated that guy? And she was like, like no one was expecting me to go for that. But I'm like, <laughs> it's pretty obvious to me that this guy would thought he was like in like in love with someone for eight years. Yeah. That's like, you're going to get married. You just met a little too young. So you're dating a little extra long. Like that's, he thought he was going to marry this chick. You know but who also, you are. But also, like, how did she go along with, like, having sex, knowing that she was not into that? I think that she... I think that Faking she... Faking those hoes, honey, left I mean, right. she said... <laughs> she, I think that but she said... Just, like, she explained it as she still had a great affection for him, and she didn't want it. She didn't want the truth to be true. So, like, that was... um, You know, I think that that's how she kind of explained it. I mean, I think there's a lot of, like... That's very 90s. You hear, but that also, was very yeah, 90s. you hear about a lot of guys that have, like, a wife and kids, and, and then they come out in their 40s, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, and there's still... Pe- it still goes on to this totally. day. Like, people are in the closet and, like, yeah. totally. beards and, like, un- yeah. unknowing beards. It's another thing of the beard is in on it's it. It's the unknowing beard. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing that kind of breaks my heart, is I think we know an unknowing beard, and... uh and, or uh, no, or she knows. She just chooses not to know. She, I think, she, literally, I think like it's a really it, that's like, a that's a choose your own adventure. I would like to keep when shut. the gay dick is being slapped across your face. You know what I mean? Like you literally have to take notice and be like, okay. I mean, honestly, I think it's almost <laughs> insulting to her how little he has tried to right prevent her running across this stuff. Yeah. Maybe she knows and she's okay with it. That's well, I, I no. Kinda, I mean, when someone uh, calls you the week before your wedding oh, and yeah, says, yeah. "I've been dating your uh, your yeah. soon to be husband," yeah, that's usually then you usually don't choose to assume it was a prank call. No, 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 no. <laughs> you choose to, to like 
acknowledge that it happened and you go along with the illusion anyway because well, i definitely have that in my family where it was just like obvious this person right, was cheating right and they just turned a blind eye to it your whole family kind of didn't really see it though right until we, it, we, mm, you we have did. questions but yeah yeah but in hindsight do you do you think that you're a little putting a little bit of hindsight on that no um I don't know. It was just always weird that like no one would talk about it. Yeah. So just to give some viewers some t- context, I have a family member who found out that their um, husband had a second family for 25 years. And it was always like he had he was working two jobs and that was his cover. But like I always knew that there was something up. But oh, nobody, knew. Okay. I knew something was and, like, up. by the way, dude did it like just like kind of on the other side of the city. Like yeah. he didn't really even take it that far. He didn't. Like, it, was, it was in Staten Island and we were in Brooklyn. Like, like he didn't even yeah. have like what one bridge toll away. That was it. Yeah. Um. But uh, like I knew something was up. Uh, but we never just talked about it in the family. Well, no, because why would you? And also, yeah. like, you kind of just like there's weirdness about all sorts of things. You just don't ask questions because, and then eventually, it, it just starts to seem normal. Yeah, you know? I grew up with him never being around very much. You right, know what I mean. Exactly. So I was just like, okay, if this is the narrative that they're going with. Damn. Yeah. And See, we like, ain't perfect either, guys. Let's go to our calls. <laughs> <laughs> hey, malls. It's Luke, 25 from Chicago. We are just like kind of corresponding on Snapchat. <clears throat> and one question came to mind. It's not really advice, but like, did Stasi just buy property in LA? Like, probably not. I, I, I think that, um, you know, her, your beef with her, uh, you know, you need to look at it in a different way. Like, or maybe you just need to look at it in the same way and really, really start something. And then, you know, you could also, you know, get on Vanderpump Rules. Just, you know, that was free advice. Um, you know, I, I guess I could be a, a, a guest on your podcast uh, now that I've given out free advice. Um, so, you know, yeah, girl, I hope you, uh, I hope you get Stassi on there. And uh, if you don't, just think about the good life you're living. All that land, you know, a weed card, stuff like that. Who cares about Stassi? Unless she comes on the pod, then like, hey, Stassi, um, you're great. Love ya. Think that you're great. Like I said, just about two seconds ago. Um, but, you know, that's what I have to offer. Some free advice, some love or hate for Stassi, and, uh, you know, all the love for Malls and Christina and whatever guest is on right now, if this message even makes it on. Love you guys so much. Listen every day on my commute. Well, not every day. When it comes out. You know what I mean. Anyways, this has um, gone far too long. and I've been aware of that for about one minute. So I'm going to go ahead and hang up. But, uh, you know, don't sweat the small things like Stasi. You got a damn house with some damn land in L.A. County for your damn dog to run on. And again, this is way too long. Love you guys. Bye-bye. Luke, thank you for so clearly summarizing my inner dialogue at all times, (laughs) which is just like, 
I have a house. Stacy's not better than me. I have two cute dogs. She has dogs. My dogs are cuter. Uh. I know. I was like, why Luke, won't she Luke, be my friend? Luke raised so many valid points, though, because the only property Stacy's buying is a big old ugly chunky stamen necklace right about now. Oh, sick burn. Okay, and Luke had an extremely on point she on all a levels. Cute little apartment for herself. Oh yeah, her apartment was super cute. I did like that. Yeah, I, I appreciated like his message message length self awareness. I know that was really funny. You, you earned it back with that. Luke with that joke you earned us back that was really really funny um first of all I just want to say it's delightful to uh hear from you um I I love it when we get a caller like you who's passionate and involved and funny and fun these are all really interesting things you're bringing to the table Ed do you have any theories on why Stassi won't come on uh please advise or pay attention to me oh Even though she follows me on Twitter um I think Stassi's scared of you why? I really do because I think she knows that she will get her fucking <laughs> ass handed to her like in a way that's like the jokes. But I like Stassi. Right, right. But I know you do. But also like the thing is we all like Stassi. You know what I we mean? We all see what it is. Though. I mean this is the thing is that Tom and Ariana handle this very gracefully and I feel like I know Stassi, Stassi handles it very gracefully as well. But they're aware of the fact that people watch this show and JK. Like, yes. they watch this show and make fun of them. Yeah. That is the point of the show. It's and, people in a very humbling place in their right. life where they're struggling waiters with, uh, you know, acting careers and music careers and aspirations and dreams. People working their way up in Los Angeles. Of course, part of it is going to be to lull at these people. Exactly. And I also think that like I take my hat off to them because they put they were like 23 and put all their shit out there in the most amazing and like legitimately honest for reality TV kind of ways, you know? And like I was watching the Vanderpump Rules behind season 1 special this week oh, and yes, yeah. oh my god, you did not get your life cuz it was like fucking amazing. Stassi came on and like, you know, like I, I like to make fun of Stassi because Stassi is like easily, to, you know, she's easy to make fun Stassi, of. Stassi, Stassi. Stassi, by Stassi. She's but, just um, fun. She's just like, she just is like, she's the queen bee bitch. She is. You know, she really is in like, in a lot of ways, I always do want Stassi to like kind of win. You know what right. I mean? Like I always want, ultimately, like while uh, we need to work on her style by Stassi, I do want Stassi to come out on top. Like that's the one as a viewer and as a fan, I'm always like, oh. Well, it's also hard to watch anyone fall like that. Right. Do you I know don't what like, I, mean? I didn't like it. Yeah. I like don't... At, when, when the show first started, like no one could get like, I mean, that was where like she was the center, the gravitational pull. Like of her that whole line, she had lines for days. Like she had great lines. Like she was really self-aware. She was, uh, I think a lot of ways, the Greek chorus for a lot of the shit going on. And, but also the thing that's like extremely amazing about her was that she was very flawed and un unapologetic about her flaws. And that's, that's something you don't see she often. She still does that a little bit. I just think that like at a certain point, it's like everyone else has grown up a little bit. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And Stassi's grown up aesthetically. Like yes. I'm sure she's, um, you know, it seems like she's emotionally matured a little bit in that she, a lot, actually, it seems like she's emotionally matured a lot, Yeah, but like her jokes aren't, her jokes are a little bit lazy now. 
I think it's because she's sad. And I think she's... I know. It's that sad... And hey, it happens to the best of us. It's like, you know... When That's you're, hard to watch. When you're a writer and you get sad and life fucking brings you down, it's really hard to be, ooh, like super punchy and amazing and all your comebacks super amazing. And it's like a shitty thing that happens to you. So I kind of was like watching her and I'm like, this is sad by... This is like sad by Stassi this season. But at the same time... I'm very hopeful for a triumphant return for her. I hope. That's why, you know, the thing is, is that it's like, it's almost like it's sad to see her down because I do like her. Yes. And like, it makes, it makes me feel sad to see her sad. I think, you know, which is how I, which is how I know more than, more than making fun of her. I truly am interested in her as a person and like want good things for her. That said, I think she's really fucked up for not contacting me. Um, Mall's army, hashtag Mall's army. Like we got to get people. No, we're Mall's army. Please advise nation. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I'm going to need it right. Get it. I'm going to have to ask you to tweet at, at Stassi Schroeder. What are your, uh, what are your people called? Navy maybe. I don't know. I don't know. What are your people called? Uh, please advise nation. No, I know, but what are their individual? Like, is it like, like, are they please the, advise heads? The Maltians? I don't um, know. Um, oh, the Maltians. Well, there's like, you know, Tamar Braxton's, Tamartians, Beyonce's, the Beehive. Um, what are your, like, guys, we want your suggestions about what you guys want to be called. Malsifers. Um, <laughs> uh, that's we'll Lucifer meets it. malls. Um, but, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm, I agree with you though. I just think Stassi's scared. She's scared, but Stassi, the best things in life, when you confront your fears, honey, (laughs) you know, when you confront your fears, honey, the doors will unlock for you. Be bold, Stassi, and the doors will unlock for you, honey, okay? We want you here up. Please advise. Just say yes. In the spirit of another wise businesswoman from you, Style by Stassi, here's a quote from Bethany. We're the main check, you know? Just say yes, Bethany Frankel, right? Yeah, place of yes. Listen, place of yes. I don't even have an opinion of you, Stassi. Like, I don't know anything of you. So, <laughs> like, if you're worried about that. Yeah, Christina would, has no opinion. <laughs> she is, Christina is. I have nothing. Molly I will know. be kind to you. Molly will yeah. be kind to you. Oh, yeah. I will, oh, my God. I'll, she's like, not going to be probably you, be, like, you know embarrassingly like, kind. Yeah. And I, There's just, no one I've never not been embarrassingly kind to. You've been very And, in kind. fact, Stassi... You might be it, you. You will probably be in the upper hand position. I would have to schedule you second because I know I'd want to drink if you were on. Because one, I feel like you wouldn't do a podcast without drinking. But two, like I feel like you'd make me very nervous. There so better I would be a white be a wine water fountain for her. You know what I yeah, mean? Like I you need, you would need to make the white. wine I was rain. imagining a rosé moment, but that's okay. Yeah, you need to have lots of ice cubes and lots of white wine for her. Love it. You can do it. You can do it like straight up. I mean, I could, but also if you watch the show, you would know Stassi's always drinking. Like, hun, it's 8.30 a.m. and she's she's dusting off a corkscrew. Like, it'll be like 8.30 and she's like drinking a glass of wine. Yeah. You know, because that's just how Stassi does. She's drunk on all of her podcasts. She you was have to wasted listen. She's the really last. funny on her fo- podcast is actually really funny. I was dying at how wasted she was in the very final episode of Vanderpump when she was talking to Jax. Did you see that episode? She was like, je wasted. Wouldn't you have to be? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's take our next <laughs> call. Hey, Malls. Um, I'm 22. I'm in a new relationship with a guy that's really cool. He's sweet. He's funny. I really like him. Everything's going really well. Um, my question is, I haven't dated a ton. I'm just like tend to not be that into dating. Uh, but every time I do meet someone new, 
I immediately start thinking that they're perfect for me and we're going to get married and we're going to be together forever, which is obviously crazy. Uh, and I end up just like getting my hopes up a ton and then I'm super disappointed when it ends. Um, and I also have to try extra hard not to come across as crazy because I like think that every guy I date is uh, my soulmate. So my question is, how do I stop doing this? Um, do I just have to like date a million dudes so that I'll realize that uh, not everyone I date is perfect for me? Or uh, do I need a ton of therapy? I don't know. Please advise. Ed, were you one of these? I was. Oh, I was, I was too. Totally I her. was totally one of these. Yeah. Okay. Like literally you Every are day. at that age where you're dating people more seriously. Like I thought I was going to marry my high school boyfriend. I thought I was going to marry my college boyfriend. I, I personally I was- felt failure at not being married at the end of college. And oh I'm yeah! Gay. Oh no! Totally. At a Catholic school, I literally was like, totally. I failed life. I was like, Oh well, I'm not in a significant relationship after college. Well, I'm a fucking loser. That's yeah. what I am. <laughs> I was like, Great! All that money for what? <laughs> now what am I gonna do? Now I'm gonna be exposed to all these men at once because that is the thing. I mean, you're within fucking distance of everyone. There's a lot just- of people though meet their spouses in law school. Like both of my lawyers recently were saying that they met both of their- and actually the judge said that she met her spouse in law school too. Uh, didn't the Obamas meet in law school? Probably. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. We gotta go to law school. I, I mean, know. apparently that's where all the dick As is. As opposed to law school. You know what? School. This is what I'm feeling about the BC reunion. <laughs> We're gonna leave out law school and go to law school. So the other reunion that's going to be there- that's relevant to us. That's a possible interest. 2001. All right. Now I'm thinking some of the class of 2001. <gasps> maybe. A oh, different- my God. That means the. Fr- I'm sorry. But that means that the hot seniors when I was yeah. a freshman were there. <gasps> yeah. Oh, my and God. And so basically. <laughs> and like so. Molly, am I reventilating? I'm um, like fixing to meet a divorced man oh at this upcoming God. event. Molly, theme you're of not the gonna see Ed the whole fucking weekend. I'm trying to Pussies be. Pussy's popping. <laughs> Life's gotten is the theme of that weekend, honey. Okay. Okay. Are like, you fucking kidding this is me? the biggest response. Ed was like, kind of been like low key, like not that excited about the reunion. I, I skipped my own reunion. Like, I was like emotion, not in but a place. This is why you're coming. This it's is why I need to. Because yeah, it's because it's not the heat is off of you. It's the, not your there reunion. You go. And the also, heat there's is off. going to be people from your class, like that married to, that married people from and Tara, right? Exactly. Our good friend Tara is exactly. going to be there, and I know, like we're going to know it's going to be good. It's going to be really. It was a lot of pressure. I was not in an emotional space where I could go to that reunion. My friends did not take that well. They didn't take that well. There was even like talks of like you're going to Molly's. There was like there was talks. Babe, of- we were so broke, like. We were literally. so broke. It, it, for me, it wasn't even just the broke part of it because I was broke, but it was literally like the travel. The, the, it was like the travel. It was like the time. And it was like the emotions yeah. of not being exactly where I wanted to be. Uh, the emotions of seeing people that I was like, you know, because it's right. sometimes it's jumping into the shark tank. I mean, I'm going to be very clear. I'm going purely for the Romeo and Michelle factor. Like, I kind of feel like this is my year. Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. my company sold. Right. Like I go, I then, you know, it's said they, yeah. they sent me out in the alumni newsletter. All right. Yeah. I've been featured in the alumni yeah. newsletter. You better stick close to me that time. weekend. I don't, unless you're getting late or whatever, but we better stick close to each other. Cause <laughs> I don't want to be like, 
Actually, no, I'll be fine, but you stick No, oh my God, are you kidding me? Do you think I want to be there either? I, know. I like, you know me. Like, I'm all talk. Like, I'm just going to wind up like holding your hand and get, like getting drunk in the corner all weekend. And like, by the way, or I requested that my meals are gluten free, which like I'm kind of excited about, but I'm also a little bit like, I hope they didn't make your meals gluten free. I just feel like we're going to have a really, really good time. <laughs> Tears will be shed, drinks will be had by all. I mean, yeah. it's going to be nuts. I assigned I I'm signed us up for, for like Yeah, it's gonna yeah. be good. I signed us up for mass. I signed us up for meditation yoga. Ooh. I signed us up for I didn't do the jazz brunch on Sunday. I did the I did the um the late night part. There's a late night party on Friday night. So I figured we'd fly in Friday day, yeah. get there in the afternoon, check in, not go to the first Friday event. And instead go to the quote-unquote late night, which you know is going to be like... You used to call me on my cell phone. Oh, dude, I'm so excited. <laughs> late night when, you, when we were in college, then call me on my dude, cell so phone. Then, and then I feel very... It better be Hotline Bling. Oh, yeah. It's going to be Hotline Bling. No, mean, well, we're going to make our hotline. It's going to be like we're going to check out all the Hotline Blings. And then Saturday, it's going to be like, you used to call me on myself. No, Dude, but you, I they did. I to go to Marianne's. Babe, I cannot wait. we come from a time when you did used to call me on my cell phone. Yeah. You used to, um, boys, boys, all kinds of boys, when Molly and I were in college, <laughs> you used to call us on our cell phones. You use that T9 text You keyboard. would, you would be like. We I would, get calls from guys. You're telling you, you're saying guys don't call on the phone? Guys, in my experience, don't like talking on the phone. That's how I know the difference between guys that I want to date and guys that I don't want to date. Like, do you pick up the fucking phone and call? Right. Me? And I agree with you, but I have like a good friend. Well, one of my best friends, Jason, as you know, who's also a very good friend of yours, Jason's like talking on the cell phone and I kind of get it because he's just, it's just not efficient for him. But a man who wants to be with someone will go through hell and high water. Like he can hate it socially. He can hate it. Right. Whatever else. But if a man really is like, in my opinion, the kind of man I want is assertive enough to pick up the type, to pick up the fucking phone and call me whether or not he hates it because that's a polite thing to do. Yeah. I agree. I'm not saying we have to talk for a half an hour every night. Right. I've been in relationships where the other person likes to talk on the phone a little bit too much, if you know what I mean. Yeah. That's really fucking annoying. I can't do an hour every night before bed. I'm not in high school. Right. But um, That's so true. Yeah, yeah. That's like that high school show where it's like, what are you doing? Nothing. I used to, <laughs> I used to t- spend like hours talking yeah. on the phone with my catfish, like when I was 22. You got catfished? Oh, Christina. Hello. <laughs> the $30,000 phone the $30, bill. The $30,000 phone bill. Oh, you yeah, know yeah, this. Yeah. Sorry, you know sorry, this sorry. story. I'm not Kalo. I'm going to call you Kalo. Don't do it. She, Christina tried to like act like she wanted distance from Jennifer Lopez, which is like acting like you want distance from like Jesus. I you know, know what I mean? Like, oh, is weird. that like, oh, that's strange. That is very strange. I just don't too. like that's that nickname because it's not a nickname that like someone close to me came up with. It's just been appropriated from someone else. That's okay. It's not your malls, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I feel you. Isn't everything appropriated? Like J-Law? Like, aren't we all fine with J-Law and that's appropriated? Like, I'm fine with it. But is she fine with it? I think she is. Yeah, I think she's fine with it. I think she's joked about it. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I think someone on that level is probably fine with it because it means people are paying attention to that. If my name's my first name, you'd like something like that. If my last name started with L O, do you fucking doubt for a second? Elo. It'd be Elo all day, er day, 24 7, pussy popping 365, okay? Ehan. Ehan. I just don't like it. And I'm entitled to not like things that are directed at me. You know what? Because you're an adult and you're there. Thank you. You guys. (laughs) We're allowed as adults to have divergent opinions and still respect each other because we're dignified humans. Yeah. May I just say that, okay? And yeah, that's how we should. And that's how dignified, cultured society works. Thank you. But honey, I think the point is 
Uh, this is for our caller, by the way. Sorry <laughs> about that, honey. We um, we definitely all agree. I think that this is something that the more yes, you don't have to date a million guys, but time needs to go by. You're you got a case of twenty two itis. You like, know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're you're twenty two. You think you're gonna? It's, and by the way, it's that can wear go up to twenty eight itis at yeah. times. Like <laughs> like the third thirty one itis. When you know you're what like I mean? me, you know, when you're like me, I'm I I know that I have in the past suffered from this. I have been deburdened of this. In very recent history, which is, I'm so thankful for it. Um, but I'm, mind you, I'm 32. So you got a decade, maybe, honey. Um, but I think that I'm so picky about who I date that by the time I get as far as to like, like, a per, like really like date a person, like go out with them and like have dinner with them and like be in that romantic setting, like I, I will kind of do that with everybody at, at, to a point. But if I, you know, there's like a dinner date and then there's like a dinner date. I also want to say that I you- feel like I can go out on dinner dates. But like when we're talking about like a dinner date, we're like I'm getting dressed up and like we're going somewhere romantic. And like the underlying tone is like this is a romantic thing for sure. Though I very rarely get that far with someone hanging out wise because I usually don't like people enough to to go to that level, which would then imply like further intimacy, which is not necessarily like sex from there, but like, you know, many dates after. So it's kind of like, I, I I think that I used to fall into that trap a little bit more because it can be very, I can be very picky. And so when you find someone that like meets all your picky little things, you are like, they could maybe this could be the one. It all seems so right, you know? And I also think that um you you reference, you know, like, oh, I'm crazy and I don't want them to get my crazy. Here's the thing. Like, when you get to a certain point in life... I don't say that. No, she said that in her oh, call. Oh, I was like, what? No, but also this oh. could go for you too. Oh. Um, Let me drop a little knowledge for you. Um, Basically, when you get to a certain age, it's all about, like, embracing your crazy. You know what I mean? And, like, this, yes. this is, like, your husband is going to love you for your crazy. I'm not saying that in like a self-helpy bullshit way. I literally mean like be the Britney Spears who's like, I got your crazy because like you have to own it. And you that's and we're all flawed, broken human beings walking this earth. And like, you know what? We all have our shit. And so when you get to a certain age, you're going to realize that like you're willing to embrace someone else's shit and you're willing to embrace someone's crazy as acceptance. our ex, ex, acceptance. No one is perfect and your perfectly in person is out there for you. But putting a lot of pressure on yourself and putting a lot of expectation early on is only a recipe for failure. Right. Carpe diem, seize a day, enjoy the taste of your steak at that because I'm going to eat my steak and love it, you know, and enjoy the taste of your steak at the dinner. Don't worry about whether you're going to marry the guy at the end of the dinner. And also, I'm going to be real with you. I think we're talking to three people, three people who are older than 22. All of us are in our 30s now. All Christine is about to be anyway. And um, I think all of us can say wholeheartedly that if we have married anyone that we were dating up until... Well, at least now, but definitely up until the age of 27 or something like we'd be on our first divorce. They would be it just it's going to you're going to want to wait a while because the changes that go down. It's actually really exciting for you. Like the changes that go down in the next seven years of your life are going to be cray cray like whoever you are right now. Parts of you will always still be the same, but you are going to be a different person. You're going to have different interests. Like you don't even know what type of guy you like yet. That's what's so exciting. And that's not condescending to you. That's just like literally 
you don't know you you're gonna your mind and your life is going to expand so much over the next several years so the guy that you pre thought was hot at 22 might be revolting to you at 32 you Absolutely. know what i mean literally revolting which by the way is actually kind of <laughs> sad too um it's sad but it's also kind of like thank god i got it because if i hadn't spent any more time obsessing over someone who was so completely wrong but for like, me yeah shame on me you know i guess i'm more referring to like when you don't date someone because who's really really hot because at the time it's not going to work out but then later you try to call them back up to see like what their deal is and you hang out and that person's like not hot oh you're thinking of it like that i was mean like and then you're like oh i should have just like smashed that back when that person still had hope i say like (laughs) smash a bunch you know what i mean like you know I think smash you, it all over. Yeah, I'd say you should definitely be knocking some boots and you know doing a little bit of Monica and all of it. Like I always say, the Mamba <laughs> number five. I'm never not going to say Mamba number around. five. But at the same time, like you shouldn't be expecting to marry Monica at the end of the day. Yeah, Monica. Just, you Monica, just want a little bit of Monica. You just you know a little saying? bit. Just a pinch, <laughs> scotch of Monica. Let's take our next call. Hi, Molly and Christina and guests. Um, My name is Katie, and I'm from Toronto. Um, Okay, so I have a little issue right now happening in my relationship. Um, So my boyfriend and I have been together for about eight or nine months. And for the past month or two, um, we've been having some troubles in the bedroom um, he has just been having issues where he will either lose his boner or not be able to get one. And it's just kind of been making me kind of upset. And I hate showing how upset I am because it makes him upset. But, um, you know, I obviously think like, oh, is he not attracted to me and all that? And he says it's not that at all but um and we probably haven't had sex in about a month and I can tell it's really frustrating him I I feel bad but I I really don't know what to do in this situation and um yeah also sorry if this phone call is super hard to hear I'm currently walking up the street but yeah if you could give me some advice on how to handle this situation that would be great because it's a weird situation. You don't want to hurt people's feelings. And, yeah, I just – I really don't know how to handle it. So if you could give me some advice for how I should handle it and for how he should handle it. Hi, uh, this is Katie. I literally just called, but I left out a very crucial um, part of the story. So the last time this happened was – that wasn't too long ago when there was an issue – um of him not being able to get a boner i asked him you know what's wrong and he said that he keeps feeling this pressure whenever we hang out he thinks we like have to have sex and he's just feeling the pressure of that and that's affecting him being able to get a boner so i don't know that's kind of crucial to the story but thought i'd add it but um yeah can't wait to hear your advice Bye. Ed, what do you think? Um, I think 
It's let me spell it for you. It's called G A to the Y. He is gay. There is no way that this. I'm sorry. There, okay, there is a way. There is a way that he's not gay. But it's also like there were certain things when the more the second part of the call when she was like, "Oh, here's a crucial piece of like what man." does not want to have sex with his girlfriend. Like, is he jerking? Um, I think that a lot of men have issues like this. And actually, it kind of made me really sad because it reminded me a lot of a relationship that I was in that I was in for way too long because I thought that eventually this exact problem would go away. Um, But when we first were in our relationship, like, it was, like, super hot. Like, it was, like best like so awesome like so great just like every it was like it was just awesome and um after a while you know I definitely think I was that guy's longest relationship and um you know I think that you know I don't know if he had like um maybe some shame about some fetishy type things even though I was really like ggg good giving and game as Dan Savage says I think that he knew that there was some certain things that he was maybe into that are really difficult to not judge, I guess, maybe. Or maybe yeah. like sometimes guys don't want to like treat their people who they want in their lives like that. It's like a Madonna. Like, it's it's, there's so many uh, layers. Like, it could be Madonna it. whore. Yeah. It could yeah. be like veils like, of like. He doesn't want to defile. Like I was watching uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. No, yeah. I don't, I don't want to. He's like, I don't want to defile you like that. I don't think that was He it. defiles yeah. me, Larry. <laughs> He desecrates me, Larry. That was an episode where, oh, like, yeah, Susie. Yeah. There's so many people turning down their stereos right now. I'm um, sorry. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to do Susie Green impressions all the time. Um, but, my- yeah, no, I just, um, I really want to tell you that I think something in your relationship has changed. Um, I think that he is not interested in you in the way that he used to be. Because um, he likes I'm dick. sure he hasn't stopped masturbating. Um, I don't think that he likes dick. I think that he is probably... Um, something has changed and he's not comfortable breaking up with you. And, um, when he says pressure, I think he means like, I have to like relax enough and get over the fact that I don't even really want to be doing this. So in order to do this, so can you not like put a pressure on it? Because I already kind of don't want to do this. Like, I hate to be the Samantha of the room, but it's like, honey, like the sexual barometer is a very important tool, you know what I mean? To like indicate the healthiness of a relationship. And, and I, I remember you saying that to me I always at said one that point during that relationship. And I was kind of like, a, I, I just like didn't want, I wasn't offended. I just kind of was like, you don't know. And also like, I don't want to hear it. And like, it's something that you had said to me over the years and like my more long-term relationships. And, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's the true test. It is. Sometimes you just don't want to hear it because you would like to think that well, you want to make it work. You know, you want to, you want to overcome that. Well, it's also, it's like, it's not just like the sex, like, oh, like we don't want to get off together all the time. It's, it's indicative of so much more. It's like, can't, do we trust each other? Do we want to like work together? Like, are we both? like happy enough with ourselves that we're willing to not deny the other person pleasure. And I think you just hit the nail on the head. Are we happy enough with ourselves? And it it sounds like he is not in a place where he's comfortable with himself for whatever reason. It could be Christian shame. It could be Madonna whore. It could be a lot of things that we don't really know because we don't, he could be gay. I was just being (laughs) a little bit of a bitchy bitch earlier. Um, But I just feel like, you know, it boils down to like what Molly, like what you're saying, intimacy. And when you there's there's like a co pact when you're intimate with someone that they'll 
you know, hopefully, especially in a relationship of that long, that, you know, that you're respecting each other and making each other feel safe enough to, like, get the boner and everything. Yeah, and- Katie, you're young. Like, you're too young to be dealing with someone's mental baggage like this. I'm sorry. Like, Get out. I hate to say it, but, like, would he be this worried about if, like, if your vagina, like, was, like, the hole only opened, like, half of the time and, like, barely, sometimes it, like, slammed shut on his dick? Or like, if the O factor just stopped think- production, you know what I mean? Like, Do you think he'd be willing to coach you through that whole like do you think he'd be willing to coach you through that and give you time and you know what like that is a little bit manipulative because someone who really cares about you upon seeing like yeah I agree with you you should keep on a brave face and not make him feel humiliated about this but at a certain point when this has been going on long enough you know what no fuck him like it should mean something to him he should say like I can't keep doing this to you like he should love you enough that he should want to go address the problem and like look into it and let you know like, hey, because like that is something that you deserve. Like you deserve to have like to, at you know, no You deserve just, to feel wanted and you don't to feel desired. Your rights, you know, and also you don't waive your rights to have sexual, uh, like a sexual life because you're like, you like the guy that you're with. Like you could, that's not fair. Like that's not a fair thing to ask a young woman or really, I don't think anyone to do. And not to say that there's not going to be lulls in periods of sex or whatever, because there is, because life just fucking happens and you get tired or whatever. But it's like, I think just based off of your call and based off of what you've said, it sounds to me like you're questioning whether he even feels attracted to you and that shouldn't be a question in your head and he shouldn't be putting the pressure on you i I, honey i'm like this is like almost like triggering me a little bit (laughs) like i really want i want you to do what i should have done and call it off because it comes from comes from a really 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 deep place from both of you that a that that you are willing to put up with this and that b he's willing to he's willing to live like that himself and says Get off the boat before it pulls you down with it. You know yes, what I mean? Honey. Like, be Molly Brown. Be a survivor. Next Don't call. Get off the Titanic. Hey, Moss and Crow. It's Steven. Um, I know last you heard from me, things were kind of crazy with my boyfriend. We have since stopped drinking, and things are great. But we're about to move into an apartment with his two elder children. They're 18 and 22. And they're great. I love them. Like, we get along wonderfully. Um, but I'm not, I'm 32. I don't, you know, I never really wanted to get married or have children until I met him because I think, you know, you don't really find that until like, you actually love someone. Um, but he's 45 and he doesn't want to start over, which I, I can understand, like, totally that I get it, you know? Um, but I just, I don't really know if, it's worth, like, continuing. Like, I love him so much. We've been getting along perfectly. I don't know if it's worth putting in more time if he's got, like, he hasn't given me a solid no, but it's, it's like, pointing to no. You know, he doesn't want to be a father, another, you know, father again at, like, 50. Because I'm not ready right now, maybe in, like, a few years. Um, so... I don't know what to do. I don't want to keep investing time in this relationship if it's going to be like you're going to rob me of something I may want. And I don't even know if I do want it. I'm sorry if you hear traffic. I'm on my walk that I do every day. But um, if you could, I don't know, touch on this subject or something like that, 
I would greatly appreciate it. Um, thank you so much. I love you guys. Have a good night. Bye. Okay, so you are closer to his kid's age than you are to his. You want to have a family. He's basically giving you a a muddled no, like maybe there's a little bit of inch of breathing room, which he's doing intentionally to keep you because let's face it, if you weren't being a little bit like love struck by him, if you were like using your full brain and not like your part that not missing the part that like goes away when you care about someone and are delusional about your future, you would see that like, girl, this is not going to end well for you. Like this is like, Grow, moving in with his grown children when, to be honest, like, you guys had to quit drinking in order to get along. Like, that, none of these things add up, especially if the fact that, like, he's, like, 45 years old. Sounds like he had these kids pretty young. Like, he should be in a better place in his life um, than moving in with his adult kids. Um and dating a, a girl that he's not going, a woman that he's not going to commit to. He should be, it, this doesn't sound like you picked a gem. And that might be hard to hear, but like, come on. Like, if it, if the roles were reversed, like if you had two adult kids, do you think someone would be like psyched for some guy like moving in with his girlfriend and his his older girlfriend who like, doesn't want him to leave the house and and her two adult children. And like, that was his life. Some young man, like, like wrapped up in a house. Do you think people would be like, okay about that? No. So I think it's time that season needs to get with the season. And I think that she, (laughs) you know, how long was that one brewing? Ed? A lot. This is also on this. I have a question for season two. Sorry, that's the Bon Quiqui boyfriend song. Um, but she does have a boyfriend. I know. I just felt like playing that for uh. her because um, <laughs> she may not have a boyfriend after this call. Um, <laughs> here's the thing. I am fine with the boyfriend and the older kids. Yeah. that's That doesn't bother me at all. Dr. Laura wouldn't be, but that's fine. Shagging up. Well, because I just feel like people get divorced. They have older kids. Like, I don't – I think – anyway. Moving so- in with his kids – well, I don't think they're like legal because she said that. I mean, he's 45. No, she's she and okay, no, she, they moved in the together. Kids are 21 and 18. Okay, 21 and 18, 22 yeah, yeah. and 18. So she's moving in, which right. by the way, honestly, I wouldn't recommend moving in with even if they were 16 and 17, I wouldn't recommend moving in with them because like you just don't do that to a kid. Like, wait till they're graduated and like give them a sense of normalcy. Like, as a mom, I had mom like who dated and like you know. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't the worst thing that happened to me, but like, I really wish that like my life had been as uncomplicated as possible, and, and like, definitely her dating life made it more complicated, and that's not wasn't necessarily fair to me. And I don't think that's fair to kids, you know, to like have to. I wouldn't. I would have. I would have like burned the whole apartment building down if my dad had done that like, to me. Your like, dad like didn't. You know, I, he your like dad sublimated did- his whole romantic life for me in a weird, sick way. And, and that's, I love no, him. That's not a weird, sick the way. I mean, like you, you know, it's. It's not necessarily uh, modern, but it's very traditional to raise your kids like to not 
to not bring your dating life into your in the home when like you you have kids that you still have to raise. It's not fair to them to see. It's a it's an emotional disrupt in the house. Um, yeah. I just think that she needs to ask herself, like, it sounds like she's asking herself, like, the very big philosophical questions, which is, do I want children? And what do what do I want out of life? And I think, like, she what really... What do you want, Susan? I think she needs to be honest with herself about what she really wants. Because if you don't want kids, honey, and you don't care about the title of marriage... You know what I mean? And, and I'm you not going to say you're 32, so there's some sort of ticking time bomb situation no, yeah. on here. Yeah. But what I will say is that if you are with him for another five years and you break up with him at 37, you can still get pregnant, but it's just going to be more difficult. Right. And, yet, and you still have the guy to meet. And you still have. And yeah. That's so, and, and so, yeah. So, so you, then by then it could be like 40. You could be his age by the time you're having kids. So like. So. You really got to be honest. You have to not only it sounds like you've asked the questions, but you need to answer them honestly. And I think like if you're not if that's the only way you're going to navigate this correctly and don't stay with him just because, you know, you're not going to want to have kids for another couple of years. You need to break up with him because you need to move on with your life. Like right. you need the new I the mean, new plan about what season does with her life starts tomorrow. And it's like it's all about what's going to make your life good because it ain't always what? spring, you know? Everyone winds up alone at some point. Right. At some point you're alone, whether it's like you're happily married and someone dies, you get a divorce, whatever it is, you have to know, like, you have to build a life that's worthy of its of its own, like, being, you Win- know? Winter's coming, yeah. Yeah, girl, winter's coming. Um, sorry, Susan. I'm not going to stop doing that either. Um, here's the other thing, too, is just that, like, but part of me wants to say to her, you know, is that, like, I really wonder about their living situation too, because if they're all like up in a mansion, you know, and the kids are on like oh, honey, separate I don't wings, think it's a mansion. you know, then like <laughs> I'm thinking like it's a, it's a Texas five bedroom. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like it's like that doesn't. That's maybe like you know. Yeah. It's about you know. Yeah, I mean, is it like I don't see my stuff because the house is so big, I don't even see them situation, or are you like coexisting with them in a living I, space? Oh no, I think that's, they're coexisting. Yeah. yeah, that's what I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the question isn't about the stepkids. It's that I like, know you it's can't not, wait it's around. Part of the bigger picture because yeah. that's going to affect her lifestyle, and the answer is is like it just none of it sounds good. You can't so wait like, around hoping for someone to change. You can't otherwise. And also, yeah. if you really want kids and you do want to get married, then don't play yourself and you know and and don't be like don't subliminate what you really want just because you think this this is the right relationship yeah there was no like yeah it should be about what you want and not about like you appeasing someone else's life to be honest there was like there was no saving grace like there was nothing that you said that i could even really consider and be like like, he's such a great guy and he does all this for me but even if she did like a lot of times people say like he's awesome we're doing great but like they don't mean it like they haven't even stopped to really think about it because we're trained to just be like He's awesome. I love him. Like, I love him. So therefore, it's fine. But but I also think we're know. trained to assume that we need to procreate and to create this like existence that's like a very structured, we it's have biological. to get married, you know, the whole thing. But you know what I mean? Like, if she doesn't feel that in the inside in this relationship works for her and you know what? These kids are 18, 22. They're not going to be in the house forever. You know what I mean? Like, this could I be know, just a I temporary thing. I just don't thing. want her to lie to herself about. Yeah. I just don't want her to lie to herself at all. About, I agree with you, and I, th- I think the fact that she raised these points. And there's not one thing about this guy that I was like, you know, if she said, I mean, Ed, really think about the fact that they had to stop 
drinking in order to stop fighting, like crazy fighting. Because what right. Season's referring to, she called, and it was a call we didn't air, but it was like, you know, basically, essentially, we decided not to air it. One, because that's not what we do here. We don't, um, this is not a serious, very serious podcast in that sense. But um, it sounded like something like really crazy was going on between the two of them. And I guess it maybe wasn't. But the fact that like there's even sort of like that dialogue around there, like really of them like fighting really bad like that. Yeah. When they're drunk and then going sober in order to like not get to that level. That means that there's something under there because all the alcohol was doing was bringing out Mm -hmm. what was there. Absolutely. When you're with the right person, you can be with them under any conditions. You can be with them when you're drunk. You can be with them when you're sick. You can be with them when you're like, I don't know, depressed. Right. And that's like, that's how you know you're with the right person. And if you have to have parameters from which you can't like be around each other, there's a serious problem that you need to address. And just by cutting it out, that's not addressing it. You're just avoiding the issue. Yeah. Yeah, girl. Damn. Yeah. Well, Season, I hope I helped you. Um, you know, we enjoy hearing what's going on in your world. We enjoy your questions. So keep them coming at us as you start your new life, hopefully. Yeah, uh, and seasonal. Love- you know, I just want to say. And I hope you have a blessed day, Season. Okay, we have a letter. I'm going to read it says, hello, malls and friends. As a good dog mom, I took my baby to the vet after noticing a small growth. He is getting older, and these kinds of things are common in my dog breed. The vet took a biopsy and told me she would let me know. Well, I received the call today from the vet. My dog has cancer. I feel like I was just hit with a ton of bricks. This was not on my radar. I'm in shock and not emotionally prepared to make these hard decisions that will be coming. As a fellow dog owner lover, how would you handle this situation? Please advise. Um, well, I'm so sorry to hear about this. Um, I am curious to know um, how serious the cancer is because um, a lot of dogs can bounce back from things like this. And um, because you are a good dog mom and it seems like you brought him in when you saw the growth, um, uh, assuming that that's not a sign of a much larger problem. Um, you know, I, I think that this there there's a lot of reason to be optimistic here. I think that, um, you know, the best thing that you can do moving forward is like you're, but there's, by the way, there's no way to not make it hurt. Like that's going to be really, really, really hard. I really feel for you. I mean, we both have dogs. That's like, remember Our, when Allie got sick for the first time when she had the seizure at the, at the I f- rumor? I think Molly, that was like the first time you saw me like, f- like literally like melt down. Like, I, I think you've only seen me melt down like three or four times. No, I've seen you melt down, but I think that like, well, <laughs> no, no I like, no like not like, like I've never irrational. I've, I, I went to an irrational, irrational, frenetic, insane. Like I started uncontrollably sobbing ran out of my house jumped in my car drove to there and started like it was the most i was i was just sobbing and and i I didn't know i had it in me i know and in a sick way i have to be honest in a sick way it it somewhere inside of me once i i knew ali was going to be okay it made me happy to see you have this reaction because 
caring this much about Allie like is exactly what I wanted for you. And I think everyone wanted for you. And we were yeah. all like, you should get a dog. This will be really good for you. Whoa. Like, there's nothing more scary than your pet being sick. I can't, I can't even imagine what a child is like because when anytime Wags is being, anytime Wags is sick, I, I'm more scared of it than anything I am in my life of anything in, in life period. Yeah. Like the idea that I could lose him or that he's in pain is the scariest thing in the world. So I just want to like kind of put myself I want you to know I'm trying to put myself in that place when answering this. I think that your job from here on out is to make your dog's days, however long they are, as comfortable as possible and like full of treats. And that like while you have him here, like do all of the fun stuff you can that he loves that, you know, if if he's more weaker at a certain point, he won't be able to do it. Like take him on those like special hikes he loves like every day. I think that also, um, you know, this is something that, I'm going to throw out there. This might be a good time to introduce another dog to the fold. Um, I agree. So that the loss isn't as devastating um, as, as callous as it sounds. Like I think a lot of people know that it's often said that the best way to not get over, but to ease the loss of a pet is to bring that kind of love back into your house through another pet. Um, that's a big reason why I'm getting Helen, to be honest, because Wags himself had a growth. Um, Two growths, actually. And the one on his head was a melanoma. And um, for two days, I guess like when I had originally had it removed, they didn't cut the cancer out. And so for two years, he had this like cancerous melanoma still growing on his head and it started to get bigger and darker and larger. And I just thought maybe it was like they had told me it was like a freckle, like anything left was just a freckle. But I took him to this new vet and she was like, how long has this been here? And I was like, oh, I got it removed. They said it was a freckle, like, you know, that it might grow back. She's like, no, that's cancer. And so obviously that was terrifying um, when she took it off of him. And like, you know, it was it did come up as a melanoma, melanoma, but it was benign. And like that was that was really scary. I don't know how you're going to make these choices. I would say um, if you do have to, I mean. If you do have to let your dog down, um, I would do it. There's never a right time, but I wouldn't wait till till it's too long. You know, for dogs are so selfless and we are like almost in a way like selfish for the how much we love them and rely on them in a way. Uh and this is like a time where you can really give back to your dog by letting it have like a dignified pain, like painless ending to its life. Yeah. Jenny Johnson talked about her dog dying in, when she was here. And she uh -huh. did mention that like she wished she had gotten a dog sooner. Yeah. So. And, you know, like Leslie Grossman, who's like our really, really, really good friend, always says that dogs are the ultimate heartbreak because they, you know, like it's just their lives. They just are, love so much. They love so much and they're here today and it's not always you know a per it's not a permanent thing but the thing is is that like i think m just like molly's saying make if depending on what your dog's situation is because if there's like a medication or something that can like prolong you know their life and also make them like you know comfortable and happy that's great you know but also like i think maybe introducing another dog into the household is not a bad idea you know yeah. and i think like so 
you, you know, know it's it's <laughs> it's making me emotional but it's like i just like you know we're so we get we're so lucky to have the time that we get to spend with our pets you know yeah, yeah. i always thank god for Allie now i know it's so cool that Angie, like we yeah. get that opportunity to like take care of something that like loves us so much like wags is always popping out from under my sheets he's so cute <laughs> I let Allie sleep in bed last night for the first time, like, maybe ever. Like, I've only let her sleep in bed, like, once or twice. Did you love it? Yeah, she, like, yeah, she she loved it. She's so, such Did a, she crawl under the sheets? No, she slept on a pillow. Yeah, that's Wags. Wags is all about yeah. that. That's, no, she, she slept on top of one of my fancy pillows. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, it was really cute. She's so sweet. I was just scared I was going to roll over on her, so that's why I didn't let her do it before. Oh, she she would wiggle out. I know. I'm just scared. I know. That makes sense. Um, so thank you so much for writing in that letter. I'm so sorry to hear that, hun. And um, yeah, keep us updated. I hope everything works out. And uh, I hope that, you know, things are best case scenario. Um, I really do. So yeah. All right. Okay. Well, not to completely change the mood, but I just really, really, really need to talk about Southern Charm season four with my best friend. Yeah, we were so attracted to its femininity. We're literally. <laughs> I'm like, I'm attracted to its physicality. Its physicality. Um, um, so, uh, yeah, I think it's kind of like a glass menagerie a little bit. It's oh. like the the re- like the incredibly diet like the incredibly train wrecky but like a d- incredibly addictive <laughs> shit show that is thomas and Catherine. thomas I ravenel wait. i can't wait and what i also can't wait for is like so apparently whitney is still with that model oh my god he is yeah Ill. they like bought a house in la Ill. so like his his being on the show is gonna be like even faker than it was before like because i kind of suspected like he doesn't really live in charleston that's why he had his quote-unquote stabbing cabin in charleston and right. why he like lives at his mother's mansion yeah which is like weird yeah. Um, I like, I know, I find Patricia entertaining, but I also get that she, Patricia's very problematic. Okay, like, I understand, okay, here's the thing. I know it's, I, I guess it just must be, like, what, a, like, a sensitivity thing for me. I just think Patricia is such a mean old hag, like, picking <laughs> on this beautiful, young, like, single mother that, like, I'm sorry, like, she was fucking hoodwinked, like, Catherine, like, you know, Catherine may have thought that she knew what she was doing. And I'm sure to an, to the effect that it has afforded her the life that she wants. And now she got two babies by Thomas Ravenel. Yes. And in that sense, yes, it has it has affected her life positively. But to be honest, when Catherine is, comes out of this cloud at age 30, she's going to be like, holy shit. Like, what? I could have had a, such a different life. Like, I gave this up to be on a reality show and have the children of, of, of like, a failed senator. Yeah, and Cameron. A disgraced uh, state treasurer. I kind of felt like it was a little predatory, too, because, like, Cameron called it out, like, first season where she's like, Catherine, you are young, beautiful, and fertile, honey. And this man is old as fuck. Excuse me, I'm changing old as fuck to old as Fig Newtons because I want to, like, do something clean for my mom until her AF means as Fig Newtons. <laughs> old as Fig Newtons. And literally, <laughs> he was, like, super ready to have some little procreations with the Ravenel name, okay? And so, 
Catherine was a perfect target. But also, the thing that pisses me off is that, like, okay, Thomas, you're fucking rich, dude. Give Catherine the millions that she, me, and Molly so deserve because <laughs> Molly and I are going to come on stay with Catherine and we don't want to stay in some I mean, shit show house. I mean, the thing is that it's just it, – this is what kills me. It's that you're not punishing her. You're punishing – yeah. You're punishing the kids. And, like, it did look like the kids had a nice little Christmas. Did you see that she got a – uh, Kensington, a uh, Chanel purse for Christmas. I think, well, yeah, and I feel like Catherine's parents are obviously not, they're not, you know, like Catherine's parents are seem pretty well off, so they have a nice home. My thing is just kind of like, Thomas, you're talking about paying 2200 a month or whatever for these kids and you're a fucking millionaire? That's disgusting to me. Like, you right. should be paying, I hope Catherine gets every, I, I actually hope, don't think her family has money like that. Well, they at least have a home and they have nice cars. They're stable, okay? Right. Like, they live in a nice town, they have, they have a nice home. It doesn't matter if they don't have to be ballers have a nice home or have nice they're they're fine my thing is just like it's disgusting that you're a millionaire and you're literally forking over four thousand a month but Catherine has a designer wardrobe like how does she afford that shit i'm telling you like i maybe between the family southern charm and maybe whatever thomas is breaking off whenever they don't when because the thing is they're they're literally off and on by the day you know I mean, what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I kind of feel like they are – because, like, we all follow their social media and it's like one day he's like, I'm so lucky and blessed to have a woman like Catherine as the woman next to me in my life and give me two beautiful children. The next day he's like, the devil has taken over Catherine and she is a Jezebel who knew that I was trying to hoodwink me into giving her children so she could take me for everything I got, $2,000 a month. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. Give her her fucking millions so we can live like – That is like – that is that is real rich. Rich people cheapness. Real rich people cheap for real. Like that's like because you know like the Ravenels are worth like five hundred million or something like insane. Is it like really that. that much? Yeah. Oh yeah. He and is. I enough- actually think that's lowballing. Well, like the Ravenel family. I mean that bridge alone, like. Honey, I just feel like you have enough money, Thomas, to set her and your two children up in a nice home in downtown Charleston. You should they should be at the best schools. She should not be sweating twenty two hundred dollars a month. Like that's insulting. I'm very Why insulted. Are men more embarrassed to have it be public that they're not paying their child support or are trying to lowball child support like I would everything I know about like when they speak about male biology, the need to provide like the need to like, you know, make sure that like your kids are taken care of your wife, your woman is taken care of under. I understand that that woman is no longer his woman. But does that mean he gives up his pride and then shows that he is inadequate of taking care of his family or therefore has some sort of refusal to do that? Doesn't that go against his like supposed primal instinct to be a good person and like fulfill his role as the leader of the household you know what he needs a little something called shame because he seems to have like that's what i'm saying but he, I, I he does he has no shame and it's funny because i think patricia says it in or the preview no pride like have the pride to get your name out of the fucking press and throw this girl some money gave her the money that's coming to her that she does she popped out two kids you know what i'm saying like th- those are i'm 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 so mad about it that it because it just it's so it's such a shame you know what i'm saying like oh, what but i mean if she gets pregnant a third time Catherine and i aren't speaking anymore oh my god i mean third time shame on you yeah well i time. i kind of feel like second time shame on you to me for me it was a little second time shame on you oh i still I love know. Catherine. I, think, I mean honey she's saint a julian she's a baby yeah saint julian you saint know julian i mean what would we if saint julian i can't even imagine what that saint julian like by the way like saint julian <laughs> ravenel is such a better name than saint west 
it is saint julian ravenel is literally like he will be the congressman that i want to get another dog i guess and name it saint julian ravenel yeah you should that's what i I wanted one that was um i wanted a i wanted a uh, dog that didn't have a name maybe i'll just go to the shelter after i get i mean i just love helen's name so much i do love helen too you know what i would i do want to say though saint west is super cute did you see that photo of him he's such a cute little baby he is they produce obviously kim you know i'm can we i mean they do good they did a good job they did a good job like stop with the backlash against the kardashians it's passe it's done it is older than fucking crime it's gross I do have to say it's older than crime. I do have to say though that I'm a little like, I mean, I I guess it's my fault because I started following her on Snapchat. I'm a little over the Kylie of it all. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, that's a Jenner. And I feel like Kendall. (laughs) I I didn't say the Jenners. I said I. I feel like Kendall might be a mean girl. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. Friends with Taylor, then, but I feel like she might be a mean girl. Yeah, I think. But I also like that she's the only one that wants to hang out with like Brody and and Leah and Brandon. Um, I take that back. When Caitlyn Jenner came out and wanted to be Cruz's like Cruz's trans representative or whatever she said, I literally was like the. Uh, it, it was quite appalling. Who? K- Kendall came out. And Caitlyn said- Jenner. Oh, oh, yeah. Miss Caitlyn Jenner. Yeah. She's what about her? Fresh she off. She came out and said she wanted to be uh, Ted Cruz's uh, trans oh, yeah, representative. Yeah, yeah. And it just. And I'm, that doesn't surprise me, though. She's like unflinchingly conservative. Yeah. It's not surprising. It's disappointing. And I'm just. It's It's just. It's like she. How. Like, I don't. I'm. But I mean, like, to expect someone to not. To, like. The only thing she changed was embracing her true right. gender. You know what I mean? Yeah. She's still going to be who she is. And to right. expect like all trans people or even all LGBT people to be liberal or to I be democratic. I was kind of hoping that, uh, that she was holding on to those Republican politics because she was using them as a shield almost. I was kind of I hoping was hoping that. that too. And also my thing is like you spent all this time and money to become a woman only to become Ann Coulter. You know what I mean? Like what a, what a waste, honey. Like what a waste. I and mean, with that, I think that's going to be the absolute end of episode <laughs> 85 of Please Advise Edward Hansen. You can find him online at The Real Ed Hansen on Twitter, also kindafabulous.tumblr.com. He's on Instagram at Edward Hansen. He's also on Snapchat. Ed, what's your name on Snappy? Uh, Edward Hansen1. Okay, Christina, what are you? Hey, Kay Lopez. And I'm Malls <laughs> Official. I'm really feeling the Snapchat these days. I just want to say bye, Ashy. I'm still trying to figure it out. So, guys, if you follow me and you're like, what the <laughs> fuck is she doing? I'm still trying to find my voice on Snapchat. So it's just okay. kind of I don't really get it either. I'm not yeah. lying. I it's don't fine. get it. It's, it. It'll grow on you. Um, Again, guys, that was episode 85 of Please Advise. You can find us on SoundCloud at SoundCloud.com slash Please Advise. You can also find us on iTunes. It really helps us there if you subscribe. Give us five stars and a review. It helps people find our show because we climb the charts and we really need to climb those charts. A lot of you may be listening and not realize that you're not subscribed. So it may seem like a silly thing. I hate to be a beggar, but it really helps. Make sure you're subscribed. Um, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Just look for PLZ Advise. We're on different, like basically different configurations of that name on several on several uh, platforms. Or please advise podcast.tumblr.com. We are available on email. Ask please advise at gmail.com. That's where your voice notes come out sounding like really crispy clean. Just like go into your voice notes section of your iPhone and record a little message. It's really that I that's how I recorded the Marsha Clark thing the other day. 
uh, pretty good audio. That's how Lala recorded. By the way, Lala followed up Ed, with the Grand Cruise. Lala. Oh, she did? She followed up. She didn't go. Oh, I saw that. She didn't go. That was sad. And uh, more than that, she has questions about whether or not she should go to a formal event in Burlington, Massachusetts. It's like a Rob, Gron- Rob Gronkowski prom. Well, we already know the answer. And I just, well, I here's the thing is that she doesn't know the answer is what bothers me. That's what left me hurt. <laughs> That's what really what left me hurt. I was kind of like, Lala, I thought we did this already. Like, I really, I thought that like. We gave you the key to life. We gave you the key to happiness. Like, you know, even I got behind it. I don't care for football. And when I and when I saw that myself, I was envious. So to bring out envy in the in the in a person who has no interest whatsoever in the subject of what you brought to the table, it's really it's really interesting. You still have questions. I just feel like Lala needs to be less fear based and go with it and embrace the Gronk. She had two thousand dollars in bank. She's like, oh, like I guess I like could have had some more money. Like I wish I like saved more or whatever. Like she had two grand in the bank. Like I don't care. Like you like don't pay rent that month. You pay late. You know. Yeah, you overdraw. You just do it, girl. (laughs) Yeah, I just fucking financial. Well, that's fine. But you know what? You got to uh, spend money to make money. So that's right. you guys, that's it for episode 85. Please advise. I'll talk to you next week. Bye.